0: You're listening to the Team Guru Podcast, bringing to life the theory and principles of leadership. Hello and welcome to the Team Guru Podcast. This is Episode 55. networking. On the one hand, we hear it's an essential skill. Often, the size and quality of a person's network is the thing that sets them apart from the rest. A good network can provide opportunities and open doors. But on the other hand, our world is moving into this strange paradox, an era of inverted quantity and quality. We've never been so connected, yet we've never been so distant We have never had so many friends, but known so little about each other. So what's the key to getting it right in this brave new world of professional and social contacts? What are the valuable philosophies that lie under the surface of an effective network, philosophies that we can all learn and put into practice? To answer these questions and a few more, I invited author and speaker Janine Garner on the show. Janine has spent a career helping people connect. She travels the world delivering keynote speeches, and she recently published It's Who You Know, a book all about developing the network that will fast-track your career. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Janine Garner. Janine Gardner, welcome to the Team Guru Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for inviting me, David.
0: Well, it's my pleasure. Janine, you've written a book aptly named It's Who You Know. It's about networking. That's a pretty risky business in 2017, isn't it? There is just so much stuff out there about networking. Information, tips, tricks, events, groups. It's almost overwhelming. So what's different about your book? What angle have you taken that's grabbing people's attention?
1: Well, you're absolutely right, David. I think part of the challenge is we have all put the work, hard work back into networking. We are bombarded left, right and center with opportunities to attend events in real life, to connect online. And on top of that, just the messaging that is going to and fro, there's no getting away from it. I was reading recently that according to the University of California, 36 gigabytes of information we're getting every day. So how on earth are we supposed to make anything of that? It's incredible. It's just ridiculous. And I think from the research that I've done, people are just feeling absolutely overwhelmed in terms of where do I start. It's got overcomplicated in terms of the numerous amounts of ways in which we can now connect with people. Mm. And finally, people are just stretched for time. I mean, we're trying to all be healthy and meditate and (laughs) work out our finances and do what's right for kids and husbands and partners. And on top of that, we're being asked to network. It's too tricky in terms of we are all juggling 100 things at a time. And I think the biggest challenge is people are just over it in terms of I just don't know what I'm supposed to do. I've heard that you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I'm going, absolutely it is. And you've all got to take some, some ownership of it. But that complication, the overwhelm and the overstretching is making it all so hard. So my view is that we've got to debunk this myth about quantity and we've got to simplify the whole approach. I think there's no doubt, um, David, that networking is absolutely essential for business growth in terms of building up contacts and a sales funnel to grow. But I think the missing piece of the whole puzzle until now is finding a network of people that are helping you achieve your goals, your dreams, and whatever the aspirations are. So networking, of course, still matters, but it's the network of you, the key people around you that in my mind matter more. And I'm simplifying it to say, start with four and end up with 12 and you're all good.
0: Wow. There is so many questions I I want to ask you from that, (laughs) Janine. I'm going to try and remember them all. Now, tell me though, in this, you talked about being hyper-connected. We talk about it all the time. Not a guest comes on this show and we don't talk about it in some way. It's such a a prevalent part of our lives. and, And we talk about it every episode for very good reason. But is it a case that we're we're still learning how to do it well, to do networking well in this age of hyperconnectedness? Are we are we amateurs here? Are we toddlers on a on a um with our training wheels on our bike?
1: I think the majority of us are, yeah. Mm. I think as much as we're connected, we're actually more disconnected Mm. than ever before. And it almost seems to me that there's this parallel increase happening in terms of the levels of disconnection that people are feeling. There's various people that have written stuff about this. There's a fabulous book called Alone Together by a wonderful social psychologist called Sherry Turkle. And she talks about this uh, relentless connection that we have to the digital world is actually driving isolation, that more of us are more lonely and distant than ever before from people. And that's challenging all of us in terms of how we interact with each other. And it's putting strains on relationships. I mean, that term FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. I think, is happening and being driven as a result of all the stuff that we are seeing online. And as much as we are saying we're connected, it's all very surface. It's all very, I call it transactional. It's like a, a, a virtual business card swapping festive, like hitting the like button, hitting the connect button, doing a quick smiley face. And there's no connection in that at all. It's just building up a list of contacts that I think, most of us are hoping that at one point or another, we'll be able to turn into some sort of business. but it's just not working. Um, I don't think there's any depth going on. And the research that I have done proves that you know when we can get above this transactional networking, this business card swapping fest or contact swapping fest that we're yeah. currently operating in, and we actually step above that and really work hard on building quality deep connections that are going to help us achieve our goals that's where the exponential opportunity exists.
0: Fabulous. And we will talk about how we build those true, meaningful, deep connections that you talk of. We'll go through some steps later on. But I, I just want to ponder on what you just talked about there for a little while. As I said, it, it feels to me as if we've got our training wheels on. And for the first time in history, we've been able to to work with numbers that before were unheard of. I mean, we all have hundreds, if not thousands of connections on LinkedIn and Facebook. Have we fallen in love with that quantity thing just because it's brand new to us?
1: I think we have. I think we're becoming obsessed with quantity. Mm. Um, and you know, you're know, you seeing it left, right and center in terms of people raving about how many people they've got following them. The marketing machine gets behind the number of followers. But the question is how many of those are really good quality connections versus just a name online. And it's all we've done is taken you know, that old approach to going to a networking event and shaking hands with one hand and swapping a business card with the other, and we've just taken it online. Online. But nobody's really getting any real depth from it. Some are. The people that are using the online space very much in a two-way street are giving and taking a true connection and showing of insight are getting opportunity from it. But too many of us are just sat looking at LinkedIn and connecting randomly or liking content, but there's no real two-way conversation going on at all. It's it's just very surface and very vanilla. And, yeah, I think we are keeping our training wheels on. I think there's a long way to go in terms of making it work. There's no doubt that this wonderful digital connected world that we're in is allowing us to reach out further than ever before and to connect in with people that previously we wouldn't be able to contact and even keeping relationships going, particularly when so many of us are living in different countries that we may have studied in. But it's the depth with which the communication is going that concerns me. I think it's very shallow, it's very transactional, and there's no real focus on the individual going, This is what my goal is, and these are the people that I need to help me get there.
0: Hey, Janine, I love Facebook and LinkedIn for some of the reasons that you just suggested. You know, with Facebook, it allows you and LinkedIn, I guess, professionally, allows you to stay connected with people who you might otherwise have lost touch with. When I bump into someone who I might not have seen for five or 10 years, I kind of had this feeling that I I sort of know what they've been up to. And it's a really nice connection when you do meet face-to-face. It's the same on LinkedIn professionally. So you see you know, what people are doing. They've changed jobs. They've been at this particular employer for five years, whatever it might be. I like that. And that's a no brainer. That's that's a good thing behind Facebook and LinkedIn. But is there any value at all beyond that? Beyond keeping in touch with people you know, is there any value to me having a couple of thousand followers, 90% of them who I have never met? Is there any value in that?
1: I think the reality of it is yes, on some level. Mm -hmm. Um, So any of us that are now in business or raising our own profile or trying to get our brand name out there, the opportunity that that exists because of Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, is that we have this incredible opportunity to influence not just one-to-one but more-to-more and many-to-many. Seth Godin calls it the connected economy Mm. and you know all of us should be using those sites to build our positioning. With that comes another challenge you know you've got to be consistent across every format and it really is requiring us all to be authentic in our approach. You almost cannot fake it until you make it anymore because you're trying otherwise you're trying to manage multiple personalities across multiple distribution social channels that is is too hard to maintain. So there's no doubt that building up your quantities of likes and contacts, whether you know them or not, can help from a personal positioning perspective or raising the profile of your brand. What I would question, though, is whether that quantity is actually supporting you in achieving your personal goals and dreams. And this, to me, is the difference. What I call the transactional networking, which if you put a number to it, that's where the quantity matters. That is your Facebooks, your LinkedIn, and you're building up contacts. And transactional networking has a place. It is about and being really clear on its role, and its role is... Commercial. It's business building. It's about finding contacts. It's about building your sales funnel, and ultimately, it's about hopefully at some point or another being able to translate that into some sort of return. On top of that, obviously, you're keeping your you researching the potential clients you're meeting, and for some of us, there's an element of it that's about keeping in touch with our friends and seeing what's going on. What I'm suggesting is that on top of that, and where most of us fall down, is we've forgotten about ourselves in this whole mix. I think that on top of that transactional networking, you've got to go, what is my goal? What do I want to achieve? And who are the key people around me that are going to help me achieve that? It's about putting yourself smack bang in the middle of a core group of people, a powerful network that would allow you to achieve and work towards whatever those goals, those aspirations, those key challenges are that you're working through. And that cannot be achieved by simply having 15,000 people following you on Facebook or on LinkedIn. It's two very different things.
0: Again, Janine, I've got 100 questions from what you just said, but something you, you said grabbed my attention. You talked about the fact that you can't fake it till you make it anymore on social media. I didn't know you ever could. to explain <laughs> that to me a, a little bit more.
1: Well, if you go back, I, don't, I have no idea how old you are, David. But when I started work, you used I'm to just be a able to—you <laughs> used to be able to start work at nine o'clock and you'd leave work at five, and you'd be able to have two very separate existences of work. And home life. The reality is that that because of the connection that we have now, which is pretty much twenty four seven, it's getting harder and harder to separate the two. And so that's exhausting people. People that are trying to wear multiple hats and be different personalities online and offline. It's it's getting harder and harder to maintain that. And so my when I talk about you can't fake it till you make it, what we're seeing is those brands and those individuals that are consistently being who they are, no matter what channel they're talking to or connecting through, are the ones that are seeing the impact. And I think that's, you know, to me, that's the key thing. It's this authenticity piece. You've just got to be so consistently authentic in absolutely everything that you do if you are operating across multiple social media platforms or digital platforms to, raise your own profile or the profile of your business.
0: That's something that we love to talk about in leadership. In many elements of leadership, the idea of authentic self and and being who you really are, you raise a really good point about that. I'd not thought about it explicitly. There was a time in bygone eras where you could be a very different person at work as you were at home, as you might be in whatever social pursuits you have. But that opportunity yep. is gone because people from social pursuits will see you on LinkedIn and vice versa. So you're absolutely right; it makes perfect sense. I just hadn't thought about it that way before.
1: Yeah, I think, and I don't think many people have. And mm. it's something certainly that the younger generation, who are not really seeing that the lines are blurred, mm. and we're yet to see the impact of you know that seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year old and what they're posting on social media, and then them trying to find work in their thirties because stuff doesn't go away at all. So I think that the line or the difference or the separation between digital and in real life is just getting more and more blurred. And so the way I deal with it is I just make sure that, to be honest, what you see is what you get irrespective of where you find me. And it makes life so much easier. And more people that I speak to, it's, it's just the key thing. It's too hard to separate the two.
0: Well you you mentioned how old I was I'm a very youthful 41 Janine which means I'm old enough to have had the conversation with my mates thank god Facebook wasn't around when we were teenagers oh, because yes. the, the the awful mistakes I've made in life that will forever go undocumented I'm just lucky yep. that I was born in 1975
1: I to I had exactly the same conversation the other weekend in Melbourne where we had a reunion With the people I went to university with back in the UK, and we had exactly the same conversation. Thank Mm. God. (laughs) Can't find our university days online, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness for that. Now, my my children will not be so lucky. Hey, Janine, in your book, you talk about your network as being small and uber connected. I thought that was wow, that was so graphically written. Tell us about some of the advantages that you've enjoyed professionally because of that network. What doors has it opened for you?
1: I think, to be honest with you, my my whole life when I look back, I have worked on and had to rely on my network. I came, I was born into a farming community in the north of England and left home at 18 to move into the Midlands to university. And that was when I first had to build a network around me that were going to help me survive through those university years. Now, I didn't quite see it as that at the time. It was more sort of friends hanging out. But when I look back, I go, I really identify that the people I talk about in my book, The Core 12, is exactly what I unconsciously did then. That was further reinforced when I moved to London in my early 20s. And again, knew nobody, literally arrived in London with a backpack And had to rebuild that network in terms of finding key people that were going to help me progress from a graduate trainee through to a senior person in business, helping me achieve the goals that I wanted when it came to work. And then it didn't stop there. I literally packed up bags again and arrived here in Australia 17 years ago, knowing nobody and had to start all, all over again, both finding a job, but then building my network in terms of clients contacts, suppliers, people that were going to help me further progress my career corporately here in Australia to then 6 years later leaving the corporate world to set up my own entrepreneurial venture which happened to be started off as a networking organisation the LBD group before I started doing the more sort of training and speaking work and I now do with corporate but that transition from corporate world into my own business once again meant that I had to rethink the people I had around me, making sure that I had the right teachers there that would um, ensure I could fast track my growth, that I had the people there that would accelerate it and keep me on track. And on top of that, that one of the key pieces are those promoters that will be out there almost as your walking marketing machine telling people how awesome you are so that you can build your business. So throughout my whole life, pretty much from 18 through to where I'm at now, I've constantly had to rethink and relook at my network to ensure it's aligned with what the goals are that I'm working to. And people don't do this. There are too many people that sit in status quo, hanging out with the same people throughout the whole of their career, and then they get frustrated that they haven't had those job opportunities presented to them or that they've been able to achieve whatever those big-picture goals were when they started out, and and it's all because they haven't surrounded themselves with the right people. Every single successful leader that I've studied or worked with or interviewed, the core point of difference is this concept of having a key, small, tight-knit, powerful network where you are absolutely at its centre and you're surrounded by people that are helping you achieve your goals. And to me, this is the tipping point, one of the key tipping points between things just coasting and true success.
0: Wow, Janine, again, got a million questions. A lot of people would hear what you just talked about then, and i, I love I love what you said about aligning your goals with your network and having that small but very powerful group with you at the centre. But geez, that could be interpreted as being very self-centered, almost using the people around you to get what you want, that you will refresh your social network or your your networking group, depending on where your goals are moving in your career. Does that mean that what we're talking about here is not friends? We're not talking about friends. You mentioned earlier in your life when you moved to university when you were 18, you were networking naturally. You were meeting people. and forming relationships, but mm-hmm. is, it, is it different to friendships?
1: I think it is, and there is an element of it being more strategic. There's no mm. doubt about it. Do you, get a bad, but, do
0: you get a reaction from people sometimes because of that?
1: No, because they don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they do now. And, and, and that's the key thing. No, but I think it's about actually if you are a bit more strategic with it and you connect on a much deeper level – With a core group of people, Mm. the only way it can work is that there is a mutual exchange of value. So, what that means is that you are seeking out the people that you can share knowledge and insight and intellect with them. But at the same time, through this engagement, it goes both ways. And this is the subtle difference. Networking of building a sales funnel of contacts for commercial gain is very transactional. It's all about business growth. Building a network is about transforming you and achieving personal growth. And it absolutely is different from friendship. It absolutely is different from friendship. However, what I have found is that when we go deep with our network, more often than not, those people become our friends. And this is why it is a constant iterative process. I was talking to a client the other day and to all intents and purposes, she was very well networked. She'd been working hard for the last 10 years to achieve a senior level in her corporate business that she worked in. And she rang me and said, great, I've got this job, Janine, but I am feeling really lonely. And what became apparent is that the network that she'd had around her had absolutely supported her growth through her business to the level that she was at. But Mm. she was now at such a senior position, she had to actually flip her network and start finding people that could stretch her to that next level of her career, that would help her navigate the various complexities of operating at such a senior level that were able to help her explore different strategies, the level of conversation changed. So it wasn't that she was letting her former network go, it was more that she was strategically trying to seek out people that would help her achieve that next stage in her career. And people don't naturally do this, they just sit still. But if you want to grow, um, if you are, have clear goals for yourself or your business, then it's your responsibility to find the people that are going to help you get there because you cannot, It was Richard Branson very famously said, you cannot be successful alone. It's impossible. And it's about surrounding yourself with the right people to get there. You know, Jim Rohn talks about you're the average of the five people. Mm. And yes, you are. You absolutely are. So if you want to operate at a senior level, if you want to build a high-growth business, if you want to get promoted within the business that you're in, you have to surround yourself with the right people that are going to help you get there. By not doing it, you'll just sit in status quo and it all becomes very transactional and very operational.
0: Wow, that is interesting. And it's actually very convincing, Janine, the way you talk about having to, you know, refresh your network so that it grows with you. And if it's like the example you gave there, the network of that lady allowed her, it pushed her towards her executive role, so of course That's now she right. needs to up her network and refresh the network so it pushes her to the next level because she's almost squeezed everything she could out of that original
1: network. That's right, and it's not like she's act, you know going out there and telling people she's not speaking to them anymore. That's <laughs> yeah. not what this is about. Yeah. You know, some of those people have become very dear friends. This is more about going. I am missing some core cool people that are going to help me do this job as best as I can. I love what Keith Ferrazzi talks about in Never Eat Alone. He basically says that success in life comes down to the people you meet and what you create together. And that to me is what this is about. This is what network is. It's about building these people around you, these core people that are going to help you achieve your goals. It's as simple as that.
0: I've heard about that book before. The the never eat alone. It makes my skin crawl. I'm a uh, <laughs> I'm a committed introvert. I understand my introversion very well. I I get it. I get it. It's yep. about about energy. I knew that I would marry my wife, my now wife, when I worked out that she had become my favourite dinner partner after myself. <laughs> for the rest of for all of my life, I have been my own favourite dinner partner. I like nothing more than eating alone. And when I realised that I actually enjoyed eating with her more than I enjoyed eating by myself. I realized it was time to marry her. I get where that book is coming from, but there are some of us who just need some downtime, some time away from other human beings, not being on or trying to suck something out of a situation.
1: Oh, I can agree more. I I've written a book about networking and I have a network, and yet I err uh, on the introvert scale. How really? hilarious is that. that is I stand hilarious. on stage and I treat, yeah. But I think my it doesn't matter whether you're an introvert or an extrovert you have to learn to network in a way mm. that suits you. So I talk about this a bit in the book where you know that Carl Jung famously said, you know, there's no such thing mm. as being an introvert or an extrovert. If you were either one you'd end up in a lunatic Mental asylum. Yes. Asylum. <laughs> yeah, but you we all naturally err on an end of the scale mm. and it comes down to where you get your energy from. So for me when I'm I'm teaching this I basically say to the introverts, you know what, you can still network. It's just not about going to an event with 1,500 people. Mm. It's about finding the people that you want to talk to and you invite them out for a coffee or you might go for lunch with them. You do one-on-one or two-on-one. That's where you'll get your energy from the deep, meaningful conversations and connections that you will have. The extrovert, on the other hand, loves going to events with huge amounts of people and that's where they get their energy. So there's no right and wrong. I think society, unfortunately, has put a golden star around the extroversion side when it comes to leadership, when it comes to networking. But every bit of research you look at is proving whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, you can be successful. It's actually more about going where your energy is. And so to me, that's key. And this is where this concept of you don't have to know thousands of people. If you only have four around you, as long as they are the key people and the right people that you're going to be able to exchange value and they're going to help you achieve your goals, then that's awesome. But have you got the right four people? Four easy.
0: Now, we're, we're going Can to get to it? that. That's going to be my next question after this <laughs> one, though, Janine. You have become an expert in networking. You are a natural networker from from early in your professional career. But I'd love to hear some of the terrible, terrible errors that you've made. Give us a networking <laughs> horror story
1: oh my gosh i don't I don't know whether I've actually been asked this question to be able to give you an answer. I think <laughs> um, I think it's probably mistakes that like we all make. You can probably remember being at events and like you're in like you rubber necking and that you're you're stuck next to somebody really boring and you're looking around the room and they uh, they, they, and they know that you listening. think they're boring, yeah, so that thing, the fact that I've not necessarily followed through in terms of saying delivering on actions that I said I'm going to do, mm-hmm. going to the wrong events. And it's all been a massive learning experience. I think, you know, it's that fear piece. I know in the early days I was petrified and this is where I knew that I, I do err on the introversion scale because to walk into an event where I know no one is my worst nightmare. Yeah. And so I know now what I need to do to get over that. So, you know, a couple of tips. Now what I'll do is if I'm going somewhere, I'll either make sure I find out who else is going, I'll ask an organizer for a guest list so I can do a quick bit of research, I'll Mm -hmm. check people out on LinkedIn, I'll even send some invites in advance and say, hey, I'm going to this event, can we meet up for a coffee? So I create an environment that is comfortable for me. And I think the biggest lesson I've learned over the years is that the more you can just be you the easier it can be. I say to people, it's, it's a fascinating exercise I do when I train on this and I ask people, you know, what is it about networking that you hate? And this is after maybe an hour of people chitting and chatting and sharing ideas and then suddenly when you put the word networking on it, people enter into this crazy fear zone. <laughs> and the it's the expectation. Is it is, but all networking is is conversation. And if you can enter an event and I make sure I am always curious about the person I'm talking to, I'm always asking them questions and I'm trying to find the common ground or I'm trying to find how I can help them. And so for me as the natural introvert, I instantly switch the conversation to them. Mm. And it's just constantly asking questions, really listening carefully and trying to find that common ground and always ask, what can I do for you? And it's in that way, it's easy. It's our own expectation of it's crazy. You know, I hear it so many times. What are people going to think about me? What am I going to say? I'm going to be interesting, da, da 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 da. And we create this story, which is exactly what I did in the early years, which meant that I never got anything out of it. I never got anything out of networking. So now I, you know, for now as probably, yeah, as I said, a, a true introvert where, I can be in delivery all week and at the weekend I have to be on my own and Mm. I don't see anyone or I'm just with my family. I'm probably more connected than ever before. I have people I can call on. I can find people really quickly and it's because I am interested in them and I'm interested in how I can help them. There's three key things I reckon just to add in here when people are thinking about how to build a network and I think you've got to think about it in terms of, If I build a personal board of advisors, they'll bring out the best in me. If I ensure I've got people that are smarter than me, that know more information than I know, then I'm building an intelligence bank that sustains me over that long term. And if I can find people that will champion me in my cause, then they become my marketing machine. And this essentially is the ingredients to everybody out there in terms of how to build a powerful network. It's not just friends. It's not just people you met on day one at work. Yeah, It's not people that you met in the playground or people that you went to uni with. This is about building a board of advisors, an intelligence bank, and a marketing machine that will guarantee your success.
0: That's lovely. A board of advisors who are an intelligence bank and a marketing machine. That's uh, that's very good, Janine. All right. Now, let's get down and dirty. I love the concept of you talking about the the key four people that as you – grow your skills and networking, you might extend to 12. And then I want to hear all about the why and the who, and you just gave us a little bit of the how.
1: Yep, no problem. So, well, to be honest with you, David, all of this starts with everybody getting clear on what it is that they're wanting. So one of the things I talk about is it's impossible to build a network that works for you unless you're clear on what you want. So before you start this, you have to think about, I often say to my clients, think about 12 months time. Think about where you want to be in 12 months. What does your career look like? What salary are you on? If you're in your own business, how, what's your business doing? What new projects are you launching? If you're a new graduate, what job are you looking for? But get really clear on what it is that you want to achieve over the next 12 months Alongside that, get clear on what your strengths are and also identify what you're rubbish at, where are your weaknesses. And it's only by doing this self-work first, this sort of basic triage of analysis on yourself first, that you're able to then identify the gaps. So first of all, I would start with that. Then it's about looking at your existing network and really trying to work out how much of it fits to your needs. And most of the time I've done this, this is where it starts opening up the questions where people are going, I'm not sure I know the right people. I'm not sure my network is balanced. It's diverse. It's cross hierarchical. It's cross functional. And this usually starts the questions. And then it really starts with what I call the core four. So thinking about your goals, My challenge to your listeners is to think about these four groups of people. The first group, and each of these has a role. So the first group of people are what I call the promoters. And the promoters are those individuals that will absolutely help you become more than you are right now. They're your personal champions. They help you think big. They help you dream big. They will pull you towards your dreams, and they are sort of in front of you being that marketing machine because they believe in you and all that you want to achieve. They're very positive people. They rave about you all the time, whether you're in or out of the room, and they've absolutely got your back. These are the people that go, hey, have you spoken to Dave? He'd be awesome at helping you with that project. He's an expert in that area. And again, there's research to back it up. So the the Center for Talent Innovation, which is a uh, Manhattan-based think tank, they talk about people with promoters being 23% more likely to move up their career than those without. So the evidence is there. So the first group that you need are your promoters. Mm -hmm. The second group are what I call the pit crew. And your pit crew are the people that will absolutely keep you in the present, and they keep you true, and they keep you on track they care about you, they understand that to climb whatever ladder it is that you're doing of personal growth, personal success or business success has good times, it has bad times. We go through the good, the bad and the ugly of work, of building a career and these people are the ones that are there by your side constantly supporting you and making sure you keep true and on track. There's this wonderful story about a captain, Charlie Plum, who flew during the Vietnam War for the U.S. Navy, and he was a fighter pilot. And he flew 74 combat missions really successfully. On his 75th mission, he was shot down and captured. He was held a prisoner of war for over you know 2,000 days. And many, many years later, he's sitting in a restaurant in Kansas, and this complete stranger approaches him. And he goes, are you Captain Charlie Plum? And Captain Charlie Plum turns to this stranger and said, yes, I am. And this stranger said, you flew in the Vietnam War, 74 missions successfully, the 75th you were shot down and you were held prisoner of war for over six years. And Captain Charlie Plum turns to the stranger and goes, yeah, I am, and how did you know that? And the stranger turns to Captain Charlie Plum and says, because I packed your parachute. Oh, wow. And this, this to me is what the pit crew are. And I often challenge my clients or the people I'm speaking to and go, who has your back? Who is packing your parachute? Who will be there when the proverbial hits the fan to pick you up and make sure you're good and get you back on track? And I think this is one of the key things that are missing from a lot of people's network, their pit crew, that person that is packing their parachute is there to help them learn from their mistakes that celebrates their wins, but also makes sure that they're match fit, they're sustained, they're energized, that's looking after. And these are the people that don't really care about your success, your job title, how much money you have. They care about you. So do you have the pit crew? The third group are the teachers. And these are the people that are there to teach you mastery, to share their insight, to share their knowledge. It's all about continuous growth and continuous learning. It fascinates me how many people will pay for an accountant, a lawyer, a personal trainer, a nutritionist, and yet they don't invest in their own personal growth. The people mm. that are going to stretch their thinking, they're going to make them feel uncomfortable They're going to discuss ideas and guide you through thinking that are going to give you information that you've never even seen before, that almost make you feel, oh my God, I thought I knew everything and I don't. We need these teachers. And this is part of the reason, David, why you have to keep relooking at your network because what you knew in your 20s is something different to what you need to learn in your 40s and Mm. your 50s and your 60s. So we've got to get these teachers around us who are the people that are going to stretch your thinking, challenge your ideas and encourage you to push further and keep learning because they know that that constant curiosity is where opportunity exists. And the final group are what I call the butt kickers. The people that will whip you into shape, that hold you accountable, that mentor you through the process, that will basically be there behind you almost wielding that virtual whip to go where well, you've said you're going to do this, get on with it. And so those are the four key people you need. You need the promoters, who are the people that are going to help you become more. You need the pick crew that are going to help you be more. You need the teachers that are going to help you know more. And you need the pick butt kickers that are going to help you do more. So whether you're introvert or extrovert, depending on your goals, get those four key people.
0: Janine, you you don't need me for this podcast. I was thinking, well, I better wrap up when she's when she's finished talking because they're great points. And there you are you you wrapped up for me. You're very good at this. You are a gifted communicator. I must say, it's uh, it's oh, it's really you. lovely to have you on the show. Look, I love those descriptions of the core four, and I'm I'm going to try and you know be useful here for a second before we get to the core four. Of course, that we need to go through those first two steps which is to be clear about what we want. What do we want to get out of our network? And that's where we do that basic triage on ourselves. We work out what our strengths and weaknesses are so we can work out what those gaps are. And the second thing we need to do is to look at our current network and ask ourselves, does it fit with the goals that I've just identified? And then, of course, we go into that core four that you've just so beautifully described.
1: Yes, absolutely right. Absolutely right. It starts with you getting clear on what it is that you're looking for, and then going out there and exploring if you have the call for, and if not, who's missing. And to be honest, every time I've done this exercise, David, I reckon most people have two,
0: Mm.
1: some have three, but very few have four.
0: Where on earth do you find these people?
1: Where do you find
0: (laughs) people who are willing to be your promoter? who are willing to be your pit crew. And, you know, teachers, I I reckon most people would say they've got a teacher. Am am I right about that?
1: It depends, you know. What I Hmm. found in my experience is those people that are entrepreneurs or in their own business tend to actively seek out the teachers. Hmm. Those, and this is highly generalistic, but it's just from my experience, people that in a corporate role, I would say very few of them are out there personally taken responsibility to go out and find the right person to teach them. They might be put on corporate training programs right. and they're learning based on what the business wants for them. But for those people to go out and invest in people that have already achieved what they want and that actually asking them to help them, it's few and far between. In terms of how you find them, um, mm. they're closer than you think. I think the first thing is that just by turning the lens on and or taking those blinkers off and switching the lens on and being curious about seeking out these people you will find that they're really at your fingertips and it's that curiosity that will identify them most people have them around it's just that they have not thought about them in this context if they can't find their teacher as an example I often say to them well who do you who do you aspire to be like who in your business or who from a career point of view do you look up to well, go out and contact them. Watch what they're doing. Send them an email and say, I'm really inspired by the fact that you built this business from X to Y in three years. Can you please share with me one bit of advice? And it's getting really clear on what you're asking them that starts building up this network. But they're closer than you think.
0: It's a lovely little process. And I can imagine just if our listeners were to seriously ask themselves those three questions to go through those three steps we've just described, there would almost be a um, an epiphany just in in doing that it's it's a really lovely process Janine hey can you tell us before we we move on to the final phase who are the 12 shadow archetypes that we need to sync
1: <laughs> so before we talk about the 12 that you need
0: <laughs> the
1: 12 that you need first or the shadow
0: archetype no we should go to the 12 that you, you need first
1: all right let me talk you through these so within the model before actually i also should say david that by the i don't know when this podcast will go live but if you go onto backslash there is an online diagnostic that your listeners will be able to play with if they want to and that diagnostic will through a series of questions will help them identify how effective their current networking is great and also through a series of questions will then help them determine whether they already have any of these core four, and subsequently any of the twelve, and on the back of them filling that out, they'll get a report that will give them lots of tools and tips on what to do next. So it's probably worth just mentioning that again. Absolutely. to au backslash so the key 12 well, – just so, say, Janine,
0: I will put that as a link on the on the podcast page for this episode so listeners will be able to find that really easily. And this will go live somewhere towards the end of May, beginning of June. Does it make any difference for our listeners?
1: No, your listeners will be able to access that then, so that's good. It's actually going live very soon, so it will be all there for them to play around with, which is, fabulous. Which is
0: good. All right. Tell us so, about these 12 people that we need.
1: So, within each of those core four, there are three types of people. So, this is where, this is why you have to get your core four sorted first before you delve further into the 12. So, when we look at promoters, who are those people that are helping you become more, the three key people are the cheerleaders, the explorers, and the inspirers. So the cheerleader is, imagine that they've got those pom-poms in front of you and they're just raving about you. I often say to people, this is like your walking billboard, your advertising campaign. The people that will rave about you continuously and just say how awesome you are. They're like your CEO of your personal cheer club, promoting (laughs) you whenever you can. So you need to find one of those. The second person in the promoter quadrant is the explorer. Now the beautiful thing about the explorer is that they're not interested in what everyone else thinks and they certainly don't conform to giving you a solution that's been done before. What the explorer does is they force you to remove that lens of conformity or normality and replace it with a lens of curiosity and opportunity. So these are the people that will sit with you and they'll question the why, the who, the what, the where, the when and the how, and they'll work with you to come up with lots of different ways through which you can move your present situation to a new future.
0: These people Uh, can be annoying, can't they?
1: They can because they're the sort of people that you start talking to and you'll have a plan and then they'll show you and explore limitless possibilities and map out alternative routes and force you to think about outside the box, Mm. which essentially will end up with you coming to an even better decision than you previously had. So Mm. you need the explorer. And the inspirer is the person, I love the inspirer. The inspirer just puts that fire in your belly. They're ambitious, big picture thinkers, out-of-the-box thinkers. You never hear them saying, I can't, it's impossible. Mm. They fuel your self-belief. They inspire you to believe that you can become more than you are right now. And I often leave, I know with my Inspire, I'll often leave a meeting or a coffee catch-up or a phone call just thinking I can take on the world. The Inspire is gorgeous. It's all right. about they fuel, really fuel, put the fire back into your belly. So those <laughs> are the three in the promoter section. When we look at pit crew, who are those that are keeping you on track and really nurturing you and and making sure that those untoward emotions that can sometimes get in the way of decision-making they're making sure those feelings don't take over. There are three people here are what I call the lover, the connector, and the balancer. Now, the lover isn't the person that you spend your night with or you'd love to. Um, in fact, it's nothing to do with, you know, the partner or the wife or the husband or well, the boyfriend or the girlfriend. very
0: misleading then, Janine.
1: I know, I know, but I love it. But, <laughs> you know, it makes people stand that's up and take notice. yeah. So the lover is, is the person whose primary concern is you and your well-being. They, As I said earlier in this podcast, they really don't give a damn about who you are, your status, or what mm. you've achieved right now. They're just purely interested in you and your needs, and they will make sure that you can become the best that you can be, both in terms of success and in terms of hardship. Now, of course, most of us will naturally put a family member there, but I often say to people, you know, our family members – a part of our family, not necessarily for, for what we do at work. Mm. You know, they marry us for different reasons, or they're yeah. with us for different reasons. And I think we've got to find this lover within our network that is there, giving us honest feedback at all times, remaining positive, and really values us as individuals. These are the people that will go, "How are you really?" I love. There's a wonderful quote, uh, Paula Abdul singer previously an ex-cheerleader definitely. But she sums up the lover beautifully where she says, Everyone is your best friend when you're successful. Right. But make sure that the people you surround yourself with are also the people that you're not afraid of failing with. Mm. And I think that's the key definition of the lover for me. The connector opens doors for you. They put you in touch with people. They're almost like the they're the in-betweener. They have this wonderful ability to make connections before you've even thought about it, to introduce you to people, to share information with you. Because what they do is they join the dots that you can't see. They somehow know that connecting you to someone or something will create an opportunity. So that connector is important. And this is why, unless you know what you want, unless you share what your goals or your vision for your career, your personal growth or your business are, they can't make those connections. So you have to be clear on what it is that you want first. And the final person in this quadrant is the balancer. And that balancer's role is to keep everything aligned and in check. My personal balancer is a wonderful lady called Nikki Fogden-Moore. She's the vitality coach. And the whole philosophy of what she does is balancing your career with those important relationships with yourself. And let me tell you, Davy, gosh, the amount of times I talk about this in groups, And get people to mark themselves out of five in terms of, okay, how are you doing with your career or your business? Mm. All good. How are you doing in terms of investing in your important relationships out of five? Now, how are you doing in terms of investing in yourself out of five? And more often than not, that you circle, that you plate, that you measurement is the worst performing measure of people. Yeah. that's terrible. No doubt about
0: that. Not surprised to hear that at all.
1: No, so we, we need to have that balancer. On the teacher side, so these are the people that are helping develop knowledge and wisdom. You've got to get that influencer. This is that person that has achieved what you want to achieve,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: that has already got to where you want to go. And the influencer is beautiful because these are the been there, done that people, and they're so willing to share their journey, their knowledge, their experience that you can learn a hell of a lot from these people. Mm-hmm. When I first started my entrepreneurial journey six years ago, I tapped into somebody that I saw as my influencer. She's now become my inspirer. This is why, again, every 12 months it changes. But at the time, I looked up to this businesswoman, this entrepreneur, because of what she'd achieved in 10 years. Now, I left corporate. I left a 20-year corporate career. And at the age of 40, I, wasn't, I didn't want to spend 10 years Learning from scratch to achieve what she'd already achieved. So I sat down with her and I said, Can I take you out for lunch once a month? Because I want to pick your brains. To Mm -hmm. which she said, Yes. And that enabled me to fast track my own entrepreneurial journey. So your influencer will up the ante and will really help you with your decision making. The second person in here is the professor, and they are the person that just constantly pushes you to think better, to think deeper, to think differently. I loved Richard Branson when he said, the day you stop learning is the day you stop living. Absolutely. He said we should all pick up new skills, ideas, viewpoints, and ways of working every day. And to me, that's exactly what the professor does. Conversations with the professor will absolutely never involve small talk. They'll be intense. They'll be challenging. And it's all about forcing you to think differently, to dig deeper, to uncover new truths as to what it is that you're doing. And the third person in this teacher quadrant is what I call the architect. Now, the architect, again, has to know what it is that you want to achieve because they are the masters at helping you design, plan, and supervise those next steps. They're very methodical. They're financially savvy. They're great at putting in solid foundations and then showing you the stepping stones to get there. And this is why, like an architect would build a house, you need the architect to help build your career or your business. And then the final lot, which are the ones we all love to hate, which are the butt kickers, the ones that will (laughs) accelerate your journey and push you to do more. I'm I'm sure these people
0: can be quite annoying. I said annoying before, but these are the ones that you wouldn't be. You need them so much, don't you?
1: You so do. And it's incredible how many people I talk to that go, oh, my God, I don't have the butt kicker. And this is the truth. what I call the truth-sayer, the accelerator, and the mentor. So, the truth-sayer, my truth-sayer, oh, my gosh, they're hard work because the challenge with the truth-sayer is that re- they're really aligned with your integrity and your values, and mm-hmm. so they'll challenge you on it. So these are the people that go, you know what, Janine, you know, that email that you sent, the tone of it wasn't aligned to how you like to talk to people. It doesn't go with what you've said. <laughs> the way you behaved on the stage right. wasn't. So they really pull you back. They keep you your feet well and truly on the ground. Yeah and they have no fear about being honest with you and telling you the truth. They make you courageous though. And there has to be to such a
0: special relationship I'm imagining because if that's coming from the wrong person it could turn the relationship sour or turn you off them or or f- yeah. force you into lack of confidence.
1: That's right. And that's where those those shadow archetypes that we refer to come from. And sometimes this is a friend. This can be somebody that just knows you inside out. They know why you're doing stuff. Yeah. And they're just they're just making sure that you're keeping true and on track and doing what you've said you're going to do. The accelerator is your master butt kicker. They are the ones that just grab procrastination and chuck it out the window. They force you to do what you say you're going to do. They accelerate your progress. And they really help you set Those goals and achieve those goals. You know, these are the ones that if they had a project plan, they would keep you absolutely on track Mm -hmm. of those milestones. God, we love our accelerators. (laughs) It's not always your boss, right? So you got to seek them out. And then the mentor, which is what most of us traditionally seek out first. The mentor is absolutely there to provide advice and guidance. It can be a very empowering and enabling uh, relationship. Every single successful person I have read about, I have interviewed, talks to a mentoring relationship that has helped them achieve their goals. And whether it's formal or informal, they're just crucial to your growth and success. So those are the 12. You've got your cheerleader, explorer, inspirer, under promoters. You've got the lover, connector, balancer, and pit crew, influencer, professor, and architect, and teachers. And finally, those lovely butt kickers that will help us do more, the truth sayer, the accelerator and the mentor.
0: Like I said, Janine, you don't need me for this. I should have just pressed record and (laughs) sat back and listened. Now, listen, I will, of course, put a summary of everything you've just said on the podcast page for this episode. Now, we haven't got time to go through the shadow archetypes, but I'm so pleased you put me on track before and we went through those instead. They're the positive people, the people you need. But Without going through them all, what's the concept behind the shadow archetypes? Give us an overview.
1: Well, the reality is, as I sort of touched on earlier, you're the average of the five people, as Jim Rohn says, that you surround yourself with. I'm saying four and then 12. Mm. But one of the key parts of having a strategic network isn't just about having the 12 people, it's making sure they're the right people. But what tends to happen is with that good comes the bad I think many of us continue to hang out with people that may not feed our confidence, that may not feed our dreams, that somehow undermine us, force us to uh, doubt ourselves, and all that sort of stuff. They drag you down. So, the whole point of looking at who the people should be is you've also then got to start being curious about who are those people that you need to remove from your network. And that's what this concept of shadow archetypes is about. It's about the people that will drag you down, that make you doubt your abilities, that never seem to have ideas of their own, that are always negative, that put you on defense, and that they're really just, you know, zap you of energy. It's like the uh, the death eaters in Harry Potter they sort of <laughs> come around and you may have spent time with them and you just go, oh. And I think um, the reason I put this into the book and I talk about this is people – haven't really thought about it in terms of the people that that they should move away from because yeah. by keeping them in the network, they're destabilizing you. They're they're holding you back. They're adding stress to your life, and you know negative people do deplete that energy. So it's all about getting rid of them. Now you're not going to say, "I'm sorry, I'm not talking to you again." <laughs> Give um, it a pig slip. Some you might. Exactly, some you might. But it's about becoming aware of who those people are and the impact they have on you because only through awareness can you then manage it. And that's really why it was important to include the shadow archetypes in this book.
0: That's good stuff. Now, of course, I'll put a link to where they can find your book. And uh, cheesy Channel 9 plug not intended. If you want to learn more about anything that we've talked about and, and particularly those shadow archetypes that we've just glanced over there, then please seek out that book. I love the stuff that you've given us there, Janine. You are, as I say, obviously a fantastic networker, but you are a wonderful communicator. That was really beautifully explained. I, I feel informed and inspired. It was very impressive, but unfortunately for you, you're not quite off the hook yet. I always finish with the same four questions, but I, oh, I, I have a sneaking right. suspicion <laughs> that you're going to know what I'm up to here. I think you're on to me. All right, question number one, tell me about the Saturday night you would most look forward to? A big party with lots of people you know or a dinner with your closest friends?
1: Oh, definitely a dinner with my closest friends.
0: (laughs) All right. Now, are you more likely to get bogged down in the detail or caught daydreaming?
1: I'm a big dreamer. I'm a big picture thinker. I have... A massive belief in anything is possible. So I don't sit still. I'm always dreaming. And that's why I need to make sure I've got people around me that help me get there and do it.
0: All right. Second last question Are you a slave to rational thought or do you make decisions based on emotion?
1: Oh, gosh. Do you know what? I really, I really make a lot of decisions based on intuition. Um, <laughs> So I do gather information, but at the end of the day, the final decision is based on gut and intuition. I do a lot of business based on a handshake, but yeah, that's what I do.
0: Easily the most common answer to that question. All right, very last one. You're going on a road trip. Do you like to plan the route, book the hotels, know exactly where you're going, or do you just get in the car and drive?
1: Oh, no, I'm a bit of a planner. Oh, no, I have to know where I'm going, but I'm happy to deviate as long as I've got a skeleton plan.
0: <laughs> Very good. INTJ, is that right?
1: Uh, yeah, I think you're not far off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not rocket science. You just gave me the answers. Janine Garner, I really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you so much.
1: My absolute pleasure. Thank you, David. And I look forward to speaking with you again. <laughs>
0: And that was Janine Garner, helping me to feel a little better about the daunting task of networking. She talked about the why, who, and how of networking. And she described for us the four key people that we all need in our lives. As always, I'll share the lessons I took from my conversation with Janine on the Lessons Learned page from this podcast. You'll find it on the Team Guru website. That's Teams with an S.guru forward slash podcast. Connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, or LinkedIn, and join me for the next episode on this, my mission to bring to life the principles and theory of leadership. This is David Frizzell for Team Guru. Bye for
1: now.